Whoop! Let's go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake Kerr. I'd like to welcome you to the 91st episode of the Black Ink Podcast. And of course, this is your weekly update of everything Black Ink and that is going on in my personal life. Now, I want to start from a little thought that I just had right now. And it is the whole preparation for anything. I feel like anything significant you do and even anything significant you don't do really should take some sort of preparation. And it is normally the preparation that you give these things that actually kind of creates the atmosphere or the mind space, whatever you want that, you know, carries you through whatever you're doing. And for example, for the, you know, case of this, for the purpose of this conversation, I would like to highlight what I do for my day and for this podcast, because it's something that I feel like I'm never really going to figure out. I'm going to be constantly refining this the more and more that I do it. And also once you refine it, it's just as likely to change what is optimal for the, you know, best result. I find that for the podcast, the more I think about it, the more I worry about what I'm going to talk about or what the topics might be or how I'm going to get to those topics or how I'm going to best explain what I'm trying to explain, the more trouble I have doing it. And sometimes I even find myself rehearsing what I'm going to say before I start the podcast and I nail it and then I come and do the podcast and shit the bed. And I'm at a point now where I know if I, I do my podcast on Sunday or Monday, if it, it's only ever Monday if I can't do it Sunday. Yesterday was fucking ridiculously hungover, so it was definitely going to be a Monday thing. And so as far as today is concerned, I just had to get all of those had two jobs out of the way. And as soon as the podcast is ready, like as soon as that time is up, don't think about it, just get in there and fucking send it. And one thing that I do know that I need every single podcast is caffeine. I know that I need to go into it just a little bit kind of beyond sober. Because if you come in too sober, you trip over yourself. You get worried about what you look like. The reality of posting podcasts of you having thoughts and ideas by yourself for 45 minutes at a time, one after the other after the other, just becomes so overwhelming that you not only want to not do it, but you want to delete everything that you've already done. So sobriety at this point for me is not an option. But... I'm definitely finding some sort of groove with the lighting, the incense, kind of setting everything up, setting the phone up, getting the microphone ready and just hitting record and sending it and really sinking into the no preparation as preparation for the podcast. And I've got some general ideas and topics that I've had happen during the week that I kind of know I'll get to or hopefully I'll remember, but just freeballing it seems to be the thing. But one thing I have noticed in this past week is my preparation for the day. So as you may or may not know, my day usually starts at about three. I say it every fucking podcast. You know exactly what I'm about to say. I wake up every morning about three, three thirty. I get straight to engaging, right? So that means I go straight onto Instagram. The first thing that I do is I'm going through all of the posts on my feed. I'm going through all of the search page. I'm going through everyone's account. I'm commenting and liking all the new shit. I'm making myself known by people, by my audience and by my new audience purely through these interactions, right? And that usually spills over into my reading time. So once I've done what I need to do, I've done all my engagement. If I'm going to post that day, I put the post up. If I'm doing this on multiple accounts, I get all of that out of the way and then I'll do my reading, right? So I like to, at the moment, I'm reading two books and I've actually found that I'm getting heaps more benefit out of reading two books. Because if I try and read, read one chapter of one book a day, I get bored. And if I read two chapters of a book a day, I get bored of the book. But if I read one chapter of one book and then one chapter of another book, I look forward to each of those events every day. I look forward to reading the first book and I look forward to reading the second book. And I don't ever fuck up with the order, fuck up the order either. I always read the one book first and then the other book second. 
And this has created this like little atmosphere of like, I get excited about the second book because it means I've got the first book out of the way, right? And I get excited for the first book because that one's a little bit easier to read than the second book. I know that's an easy achievement to get done. And realistically, this whole experiment or this whole situation that's going on is really saying more about me than anything, but it's kind of cool to, you know, as a fully functioning adult who makes decisions about your own life and how you're going to manipulate it and go about it. It's cool to do these little experiments and say like, okay, I know that I'm not going to read my book if I leave it until after lunchtime. It's just not going to happen. I don't have the cognitive function or the brain power to pull all of my attention together to focus on one thing. It literally has to be before the sun comes up. Otherwise, my brain gets too excited and says, no, 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 I can't read books. I've got to go ride motorbikes or or fucking do this work or fill out this actual spreadsheet or make some T-shirts. And the cool part about me being me is, is that I appreciate that about myself. I know that once the sun comes up, I'm a bull at a gate. I'm a 12 out of 10. I need to be burning all that energy. Otherwise, I feel like I'm just useless in the world. And I know that reading requires so much attention and precise attention that I can't have anything else going on in my mind. Therefore, it must be done before that sun comes up. So now you can see I've already started the ball rolling of my preparation for the day is kind of getting tasks out of the way. It's allowing myself to have complete freedom in my mind of like, right, I can I can actually apply myself to this task or this problem that I'm trying to solve, or I can get going on this particular job that I say for this day. And I am doing that by getting these things out of the way as soon as possible. And these things for me aren't even things that I particularly like or enjoy. They're actually things that I put into this category of knowing that if I just do this every day, just a little bit every day, I'll end up a genius. And I know even that's crazy to say, to think that you're going to end up a genius by doing any one particular thing or group of things every day. But I feel like you have to have overwhelming confidence and faith that the end result you're working towards is actually so far like unreachable that it justifies having a goal in the first place. Like I'm not betting $10 if I'm going to bet something. I'm going to bet the fucking house, right? Otherwise, why are we playing with our dicks, right? So if I want to be successful in the future, I don't want to fucking just have a, you know, like a, a Ford Ranger and a, and a nice three by two somewhere in Dale up. I want a fucking mansion, right? I want to give Ford Rangers to my friends as gifts. Okay. I'm not aiming to be all right. I'm aiming to be a fucking millionaire. Is that all right? So as far as I'm concerned, if I can read just 30 minutes a day, just 30 minutes, that means that every day I've got a 30-minute reading advantage on everyone else. I know some motherfuckers out there still read, but let's be real. I've got a 30-minute reading advantage where I've actually allocated that time for myself just to educate myself on one or two particular topics and get a little bit better every day than the majority of people that I'm going to interact with for the rest of that day and realistically for the rest of the week and month and so on. And this is the same as if you want to learn the piano, sure, you're not going to be a a piano master in a week's time, but you'll be fucking amazing in a year if you commit 20 minutes every day to it. And 20 minutes isn't even that crazy. Like I'm finding committing an hour to writing my Grom probably two, three times a week, just trying to learn how to wheelie in the space of like two, three, four months, I've basically gone from having no real, like couldn't pick the front wheel up off the ground to now I'm doing circle work and like, I'll admit it, there's single foot wheelies where you've got one foot on the back brake and one foot on the ground. But that foot on the ground is slowly starting to lift up. It's because I'm practicing all the time and I'm making progression in this skill. 
And one thing I can fucking guarantee you is this summer, at the end of this year and this summer, I'll be doing wheelies on whatever motorbike I get on because it's just that obvious like conclusion that as long as I keep doing this on the same schedule that I'm doing it, I don't let it happen any less. And also taking into account that hopefully nothing crazy happens, like I fall off and break a hip or something crazy, you know. But if I just keep doing what I'm doing, then the obvious result is excellence. And it's funny because taking that into account, taking everything I've just said, I then try and, how do I say this? Appropriate that into a monthly, a weekly, and a daily thing. Because I've come to this realization lately, and it's funny how I came to it, because it's actually an accumulation of listening to a new album that was released by The weekend, which you all know I kind of went off on a bit of a tangent on about half a dozen episodes ago. And also just having conversations with people about I'm going to say if the two topics were to, be, were to be generalized, it's basically lifestyle and religion. And the thing that I've come to a bit of an understanding of, I don't want to say an agreement or uh, like a, a fully formed belief, but something that I'm starting to really like comprehend and understand is that the concept of what heaven is, is something to do with things that we experience in the day to day. Okay, so obviously, as soon as you say heaven, it relates to the topic of heaven and hell, which is obviously the, the conversation of what happens after this ends, when we die. And the idea is, is that if you do things well, and if you don't sin, and if you follow the rules, basically, you'll end up in heaven. And if you don't do that, you'll end up in hell. And the idea is that heaven is this beautiful place where you get everything you want, and hell is this place where you're going to be eternally suffering and having to dance with the devil. Okay? Going beyond that, though, because I feel that's a very maybe metaphorical way to look at things. And hey, it may have some validity. And to be very honest with you, I haven't really thought about it. I don't really have any, you know, I don't have any dogs in, in the race. I've never really had to deal with loss in my life so far. I've been extremely lucky to hit 29 years old and not have any major uh, deaths, uh, you know, in my immediate family. So, you know, thank God. But what I do know is that there are certain experiences in this human life that actually happen fairly consistently that way outweigh the rest of them. And for me, it's excitement. When I'm excited, nothing else matters. Like I get it. There's other things in life where you go, nothing else matters. Like when you have a, when, you know, when you have an orgasm or sometimes when you have the right temperature shower, sometimes when you're taking a shit, nothing else matters. But I'm talking about like real nothing else matters. That shit is when you're excited. Like for me, God damn, the neighbor and his Lancer just took off in a hurry, huh? I hope he knows that thing has second gear. Anyway, for me, like when I land these jobs with new clients and it means that I'm going to like the invoice that I sent out for that particular client to land them was like maybe 25% more than any invoice that I've ever sent out. When that person messages me and says like, hey, we're going ahead, transferring the money now, or like, yep, let's go ahead on this. What's the next move? Like the excitement that I get from that, because it's not just that I'm making money and it's not just that I got that client, but it's part of a bigger fucking picture. It's I made a decision so long ago to try and build something. And so many people have agreed in that idea of what I'm building so far. And now I'm at a point where a new person with more money to spend on a bigger job, maybe in a field that I don't even fully understand yet, has said, fuck yeah, dude, I'm on board as well. And the excitement I get from that is fucking crazy. It's like when I come home and I haven't been home all day, maybe six hours, 
And, and Louis does this little thing at the door where she taps her feet like this. It's like she's at tap dancing with just her front feet and she bobs up and down. She's getting ready to say hello. And then I come in and then we have a big fucking cuddle session on the bed. And it's just like this moment of like a minute where her and I are just so excited to see each other. And we can like physically express that, give her scratches and she's giving me kisses all over the face. And then she always goes and finds her toy straight away. And then she like will come up to me with the toys if to say like, take the toy. And then I go to do it and she's like, that was a fucking joke. Now you've got to catch me. And she'll run around the house. And we run around the house. We go crazy. You know what I mean? That excitement is heaven. That's it. you got to be heaven to see heaven. It's in that, it's in that song uh, from, from the album of the weekend. I believe it's... Oh, two songs before, Is There Someone Else? I know it's weird that I know that and not the name of the song, but that's how it is, you know? There's just been this crazy, overwhelming feeling lately that I feel like, for some reason, our generation, my generation, maybe our generation if we're near the same age, for some reason feels like what we're experiencing isn't valid. Like, life was happening up until we were born, and now we're after the fact. Shit, this might just be a personal thing that I'm feeling. Like, there's a mediation session between me and myself, and you're just experiencing it. But I always kind of felt deep down that the good days were over. That, like, my parents were the last of the real humans that ever lived, and now we're just here kind of fucking everything up. And whether that was something to do with my upbringing or whether that was something to do with how our generation was raised or, you know, it's probably got a lot to do with that saying, you know, hard times produce hard men, hard men produce good times, good times produce soft men, soft men produce soft times, bad times, I think it is. And we're probably somewhere near the, you know, hard men create good times, good times create soft men. Hey, I'm a soft man. That's okay. I'm a fucking social media manager. I make t-shirts, okay? I get blisters when I try and operate a shovel And while I can operate for 12 to 16 hours at a time, I really don't fucking like it. You know, I like driving through McDonald's, get my latte made for me. Of course I'm a soft guy. This is how it is. Most people don't want to admit it. And they're saying that wearing Lynx body spray and fucking shaving their pubes. Like, sorry to break it to you, bro. You're a soft guy, right? So with that in mind, I've kind of not taken my feelings seriously. And I think I've also gone through a process of like even when I have feelings not like appropriating them and saying like oh well that like me being sad is different from other people being sad like that's real sadness you know or that's real anger or that's real love what I'm experiencing is some surface level bullshit that I'll never get you know I'll never really fully understand what it means to be angry or what it means to have loss or what it means to have these things and I kind of take the justification away from myself and in some in some cases I've I guess I've filled the gap with going like, well, I I guess it is just something that I'm not going to understand, as I said. And I think part of this whole actualizing what heaven might actually mean is part of the process of realizing that everything that I'm feeling is actually a full emotion. And this is one of those things where my bad day might be a whole lot different from someone else's bad day. Like someone might have just had their parents killed in a car crash And I might have lost one of my customers. And I feel terrible because I take each one of my customers seriously. Whether you buy a t-shirt off me or whether you pay me thousands of dollars a month to do something for you, everyone in between, you're all the same and you have to be all the same. And I feel really bad when I lose a customer. Sometimes I cry about it. Sometimes it stops me from sleeping at night because I think about where I fucked up and where I could have done better. And that's honest. Now, because they lost their parents, which is obviously fucking tragic in this made-up example off to my right here, does that mean that their bad day is worse than my bad day? 
Does that mean that my tears aren't real? Does that mean that me not losing sleep isn't real? That tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to be fully refreshed because I slept all night, you know, metaphorically. Physically, I, I didn't, but that doesn't matter because it's not real compared to these people who lost their parents. How, who am I to cry when they're crying over something so much crazier? Well, as it turns out, the thing that I feel in that situation is as real as what they feel in that situation. And I think it's also important to note that if we swap these scenarios around and I lost my parents today and that person lost a customer or something that was as you know important to them in their situation, maybe they lost an hour of work, hour of work at work and they're going to be paid a little bit less this week and they go home and they're like, why did the boss send me home early? I don't know. That is as important to them as what this is to me. Right? And that's how it is. So taking that and moving forward, excuse me, I kept on thinking like, well, the easy examples is obviously when you're sad and when you're happy, but excitement never really like became apparent to me. Not until like I realized that when I'm excited, like literally my worst enemy could walk through the door and I would hug them and be excited to tell them about what I'm excited about. That's heaven, right? Like I know in heaven you like to imagine like there's going to be all these you know, you know, you imagine this beautiful place. Maybe you get to rekindle relationships with someone, you know, that you lost to cancer earlier in your life. Or maybe you get to speak to great grandparents and find out more about your history or whatever it might be. Or maybe you get to meet the dog that you had to put down when you were six years old that still, you're still heartbroken over, you know. But even then, like these magical, beautiful, like situation, I guess you can call heaven, still is not comparable to a moment of excitement where nothing else matters, where you can't help but dance and jump up in, in the air and be fucking silly because it's all good. Excitement is heaven. It's interesting. It's interesting. And look, as I said, it's not even a fully formed idea. It's just an idea. And it's something that like I feel like any good long form idea, it will take years to dissect and digest and understand exactly what that idea means to me and whether or not it's true or not. And sometimes you get years down thinking of a particular idea and realize that the whole thing was built on fucking sand and it doesn't really matter anyway. And you have to flip it and start thinking about some other idea that makes up for it. I know that sounds a bit la-di-da, but I guess I'm admitting that's kind of how I process big ideas. Anyway, I do want to mention my Easter Sunday sesh, which is, of course, on April the 17th, held at Lost Bills on Victoria Street. Starting at 5 p.m., we're going to have a hell of a time down there. It's 100% booked in. We've got posters up around town. We've got posters all through Lost Bills, all the information. Obviously, you can go to both of our Instagram pages and Facebook pages and find the original post, which has all the information on it now. I'm happy to confirm I have at least four local artists who are commissioned to be doing black ink themed pieces, which are going to be for sale at Lost Bills on the night. Now, these pieces are going to be priced between $100 and $250, which makes them reasonably affordable. Now, when I say commission art pieces, I'm talking about reasonably like small to medium sized physical art pieces. So paint on canvas, spray paint on paper, uh, I believe one guy's doing a mural on a, on a mirror, another guy's doing a digital graffiti piece over a photo of myself. Um, so there's super uh, interesting and unique takes on the whole black ink kind of concept being translated into physical art, which is exactly the point. I kind of wanted to get this idea of what black ink was displayed through different perceptions and the cool thing about artists is the more you get out of their way and let them do their own thing just kind of give them the idea and the 
what do you call it, kind of the theme and what it's meant to be about and just say, right, it's on you now. The cool thing is you get something that is unadulted. You get something that is purely them. So I'm just excited. I've, I don't want to say it, but I, I may end up buying a couple myself just because I'm the, probably the fucking biggest Black Ink fan. Well, besides my mum, you know, who's already said that she's going to buy one of these pieces. So that leads me to my next point. I will be going live the morning of the Easter Sunday sesh, which again is April the 17th. I'll be going live in the morning to show all of these art pieces off, to talk a little bit about what's going to be going on that night, to showcase a few of the shirts that I'm going to be having on display, and also to let you know that we are going on a ride on Easter Sunday in the afternoon, which you'll be able to come and have a, a bit of a ride with us if you want. We're getting some food, we're getting some drinks, it's going to be fun. I'm going to then going be live again at night. It's probably going to be about 5.30 WA time, which is obviously just after the doors open. I'm going to be doing a bit of a walk around, having a talk with some of the people there, obviously some of the names that everyone knows from Black Ink, and then also, again, displaying all of those artworks. Now, if you want to purchase one of these artworks, you won't be able to do it in the morning on the live feed. You'll be able to do it in the PM night feed. So again, if you want to tune in and grab one of those pieces of art, or at least see them, Tune in at 5.30 WA time on April the 17th, where I'll be doing a live feed walking around Lost Bills, showcasing that beautiful little bar and also giving you your chance to purchase. Now, I'm also going to have some one-off tees for the night. A few of them, I'm probably going to print like two or three, four, five, six of them. I don't know. I'm going to have some classics for sale. I'm also going to have some brand new products that I'm not going to even talk about just yet because I'm having a bit of trouble creating them in time. So hopefully they'll be there in time. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to have a little stall right now out the back in the smokers area where you'll be able to purchase physical goods, uh, you know, everything that I've just mentioned. I'm also going to have a bespoke black ink cocktail, which of course is an espresso martini with a vodka supplied by Cuprum here in town, obviously going with a nice local brand. And obviously the boys down at Cuprum wanted to get on board as soon as I heard about it last year. So having it this year, it was a no brainer. I went around there, explained the situation. And again, we're getting four liters of vodka off them. And that vodka just goes down a bloody treat, and that's coming from a non-drinker, so it must be half all right. And the coffee is being provided by Paper Out Coffee in Halifax, which is uh, not Bunbury's newest cafe. It's probably it's probably up there in like the, the newest three cafes, and just an absolute awesome little spot out in the light industrial area. So. They'll be providing us with a liter of their fine espresso shots, which is going to make up these espresso martinis. So please, if just for the espresso martinis, come down and have yourself a cocktail. Have a look at the fucking scenery around. There's going to be some beautiful people wearing, I'm guessing, black ink and just having a fat time. And of course, we have Monday as a public holiday the next day. So there's no reason to not absolutely fucking send it. I think also... Maddie Blake, who is, of course, a manager at Lost Bills, is working on a extended hours permit for the night, which will allow us to drink until midnight instead of just 10. So opportunity for the night to really fucking blow out there. Just fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. But save the date. Keep it in diary because I really want to get that uh, max capacity because that would just be a cool thing to promote, wouldn't it? Oh, shit. I got it at max capacity by 7 o'clock. Oh, whoops. You know? Anyway. Some good news from this past week is, and this is personal good news, this isn't even a success story of Black Ink, it kind of is. I, uh, I went in and saw my mate Keaton at Fitzroy Cycles, and every time I go in there, I always look at bikes, you know, because I can't help myself. I love anything with two wheels. So I always look at the bikes, and he had this one in there that was a large, giant talon in that, it's like a burnt orange color. So it's kind of very similar to the jersey I released, probably a little bit darker than that, actually. But beautiful bike. 
And funny story about all the bikes that I've, I own, none of them are my size. Not one of them. Like my road bike, well, no, my... I mean, my Fixie I got for my 19th birthday. I'm 29 now. I've had it for fucking 10 years. All right? The person who bought it for me just bought it. They didn't know anything about bikes. They're like, oh, it's a Fixie. He'll like that. Cool. So, I, uh, I mean, it, it's a right size for me, but at the same time, it's an old school frame. Like, the positioning is all kind of back to front. And, and also, it wasn't a Fixie made for the purpose of being like a hardcore street fixie it was a it was kind of like a show fixie so it's just it's like it's 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 awesome i love my bike and it's not too small but it's not the right size for me the bike that i found on the side of the road the kuahara that i actually learned to do wheelies on on a push bike which i still can't do wheelies on is maybe three sizes too small it weighs about as much as i do and you know, I don't want to say it's a piece of shit because it's given me, it's it's served its purpose so well considering I found it on the side of the road. All I did was put a tires, a set of brakes and shit on a bit of a service and I've ridden the fuck out of it ever since. But with that said, it's just too small. You know what I mean? As much as I'd love it, it's just not the best piece of equipment that I could use. But when you make a decision to live in a caravan and put all your money towards one thing and then that ends up eventually turning into an online business, which then ends up turning into a you know, starting or restarting up a brand and making that an online business. My money has been very carefully spent on only things that move the needle. And a push bike has never been something that's going to move the needle. Even if you had a really awesome bike and it was going to be, you know, a tenth of what it's meant to be, you know, if you're going to sell it for a tenth of its value, even then I wouldn't purchase it because I shouldn't even be spending a tenth of its value. So a new push bike has kind of been off the cards for me. And admittedly, I've really like, I've put everything off the cards. I, you know, I, I don't have new socks and jocks. I, I, I get things only when I absolutely need to. And just recently, even though I've had some, uh, let's just say rocky times with some of my uh, B2B transactions, I have got myself in a position where I've justified putting a deposit down on a new push bike. So I actually, uh, when I saw that bike for the first time, I said, oh, I'll take it for a ride. He goes, oh, the young blokes put it together. I'd, I wouldn't, I'm, not that there's anything wrong with his ability, but I don't vouch for it being 100% together. I said, oh, no, I'll, I won't ride it. You know, you do your final check and chuck it on the floor sort of thing. So I went home and I said to Riz, I'm like, oh, I saw this bike today. It's fucking beautiful, you know? And that's a standard conversation that I'll have most of the time because I love bikes. And, you know, I just joke, you know, I'm going to put a deposit down and get one, I reckon. And to be honest, I, I said it as a joke. And she said, oh, yeah. And then I was like, yeah. And you start doing that thing in your mind where you're like, yeah, I might do that actually, you know? And that was about the time all this B2B shit started happening. And I, uh, I, I yeah, I, I went from knowing that all my rent and bills and everything was paid for to basically not having money to buy coffee the next day. And that was going to be my situation moving forward while I had other clients and obviously selling out the best team and all the rest. We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, Basically, my essentially my my bulk of my cash flow just stopped, and to be honest with you, I didn't stress at all. I made, I mean, this 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 money wasn't taken away from me. I elected to walk away from it, and the results were interesting because for the first time, I fully committed to having faith in my ability to generate income for myself, and I didn't look at this job as a necessity. I looked at it as a comfort. I looked at it as a privilege, you know. This allowed me to make an emotional decision backed by faith. 
which is a new thing for me, for sure. I like to make logical decisions backed by information. Making an emotional decision backed by faith, fuck man, it's like staring at the sun and hoping it doesn't fuck your eyes, you know? But as it turns out, I closed one door and another three opened for me and I walked through all three of them. And I maybe even opened up a fourth door for myself. And you know what I did to celebrate? And I did this before I even got the money. I went and put a deposit on that bike. I had a chat with Keaton. I said, look, I'm going to be a piece of shit. I'm going to pay this thing off $100 a week for the next eight weeks or nine weeks, whatever it is, you know, because it's a fucking seven, $800 bike, okay? It's not even that expensive. It's a hardtail. It's only got, you know, front suspension. Is it an awesome bike? No. Is it an awesome bike in my eyes? Yes, okay? So I said, Keaton, let me pay this thing off at 100 bucks a week. He goes, I don't have one coming in in your size for another, you know, five or six weeks anyway. So I was like, you fucking beauty. But once I saw these other doors opening, I was like, you know what? Just do it. Just bet the house. Because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to pay half of this thing off and then maybe you can't pay the rest of it off. I'm sure Keaton's not going to go and sell it. I'm sure Keaton's not going to think you're a cunt, right? Let's go do it and figure it out. Because you spend the money, you got to figure out how to get the money, right? So I did that. You know what happened? Those doors stayed open. And the people who opened them shook my hand and invited me in. And there's nothing to worry about. I'm going to own that bike when it comes in. I'm going to put some cool pedals on it. I'm going to put, look at me. I'm just, I'm just fucking flossing on you. I'm bragging right now. Okay. And you know why? Because I haven't bought fuck all. I let myself start buying Hot Wheels cars and collecting them because they're only $2 at a time. And most of the time, Rizzle offer to, to pay for them as they're going through the checkout because I've only got three, which is $6 and who fucking cares, right? But now you boys got to deposit down on a giant Talon 2, extra large and that burnt gold color. So what's up? Okay, what's up? It's on site now, dude. That's what's up. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And it's like, it's weird because I'm in this transitional period. I feel like I'm constantly in a transitional period, which is essentially the first kind of growth stage of your business anyway, because like I'm obviously figuring out what black ink as I go, black ink is as I go. And I'm also pushed into these kind of like, I wouldn't say corners, but I'm pushed into these situations where I have to make uh, decisions that are significant for the future of Black Ink. So I have to get good at making these decisions under pressure and making sure they're the right decision. And even if I make a decision that I don't agree with straight away, I have to stick by that decision. If I'm going to change it, change it extremely slowly, right? Unless it's like financially, uh, what's the word that starts with D, detrimental to my outcome. Even then, Change it slowly. Prove your point. Prove yourself right. Prove yourself wrong. And really fucking get good at making these decisions. And of course, buying this push bike is really not a dangerous decision. When it comes down to it, as I said, Keaton's not going to let me fucking... He's not going to let me drown. You know what I mean? He's not going to fucking worry about it if I can't pay for it all of it straight away. He understands what my situation is. And he knows because he's seen me come in for the past however many months at a time saying like, Oh, bro... I need to service me bike, but I can't afford shit at the moment, you know? And he goes, oh, fucking, let me see what I can do. You know, he's been doing, he's been looking after me for a minute. So I, he knows what's going on. For me to go in there and put a deposit down on this bike, he's like, fuck yeah, dude, that's what's up, you know? So I feel like this is a really good opportunity as I'm going through these steps and this process and this whole accumulation of like education and situations and putting things into play and like making things happen with black ink and like being able to take the time to like 
the thought of what am I doing to prepare myself for the day? What am I doing to prepare myself for this job or this week or this month? What is heaven? What does it feel like? Is it meant to be right now or is it meant to be after all of this finishes? And even if it is meant to be after all this finishes, can I experience it now? And if I can, how do I get there the quickest? How do I do it organically? Right? It's just interesting. It's just all thoughts. You know, another thought that I had as well and do. I was super hungover yesterday and allegedly I was super stoned as well. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if that's true for, for this whole podcast is for entertainment purposes, dude. It's not like I'm telling you a story. I'm just saying like, theoretically, I may have been super stoned when this happened. Okay. So picture this. It's first thing in the morning, hungover, stoned, Jalorup Markets. Okay. Now the Jalorup Markets, uncompared to like 17 years ago, when I used to deliver coffees on my rollerblades and fucking sell popcorn and, and chocolate molds and all the rest, which is actually what I wanted to talk about today. But you know what? Fuck it. We're on a roll now. Compared to back then, the Jalorup Markets has turned to shit. We couldn't go inside because we took Louie with us. And as soon as Louie can't see her, she starts barking fucking crazily. So that was off the cards. But basically the four plant stalls outside and the guy selling like a zucchini and a red onion didn't really cut it for us. So we decided to go on a little walk over the road where they got like a nature reserve. They got all the Australian natives growing and shit. And I said, ooh, Larissa has come home. Just pause that for one second. Hello. That's okay. It's still recording still. Go on. Why'd you put your shirt over your mouth? (laughs) So I was saying to Larissa as we were walking around, I was like, fucking... Doesn't it seem weird to you? And like, I've thought about this. This is something that like I, I, I've actually thought about heaps and only really had the confidence to speak about it allegedly super stoned, you know, because you're like, I'm stoned, I can get away with this. So I was like, you know, you look at all the trees, right? And say we get a plant species, say get a, a, I don't know, what's a, what's a tree? You get an olive tree, right? You get one olive tree here, you get another olive tree right here. The seeds are exactly the same. Okay, and the genetic code of these trees is exactly the same. But if we plant these trees side by side, the exact same environment, give them the same nutrients, the same water, the same environment, the same everything, they will grow differently. And the more I think about that, the more I get caught up on that. Because the thing that separates these trees is the characteristics, right? Which is similar to if you get two twins right, who have the same genetic code, born at the same time, blah, 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 they're going to be different. No matter how similar they are, they're always going to have something different about them. And in reality, they're going to have a lot of things different about them. These characteristics that separate them are what I'm talking about. So when I apply that same thought to trees, I go, right, so it's the characteristics that change them. It's the way that they express themselves, whether they lean this way, whether they lean that way, whether they're you know, uh, maybe they don't, one of them appreciates heaps more water than the next or whatever it might be. These characteristics are what separates them, makes them unique, makes them individual. And then giving that a little bit more, what do you call it, freedom to keep that thought going, then how different are trees from other things that have characteristics like humans and animals? How different are they? And of course it begs the question, well, what is the difference between us? We know that we're both living, but we just have different systems that allow us to live. Their system doesn't allow them to communicate. But even now with like modern research, we know that plants communicate with each other. We know that. We know mushrooms communicate. We know trees, shrubs, everything. They communicate with each other. But they communicate in a different language to what we communicate with, which is, you know, 
not speech, but making sounds and interpreting those sounds. The way animals also communicate as well. A dog will bark and another dog knows what that bark somewhat symbolizes and that is communication, right? We know that dolphins communicate with sonar. We know that, uh, you know, particular birds communicate with the way they uh, act and move and sometimes dance. So because plants are on this kind of spectrum of their own, it's such an interesting concept to go, okay, well, what does that mean? And also, like, for the sake of this crazy thought, when I observe a tree, is it observing me? And when it dances in the wind, sure, I know that it is a physical thing, and it is obviously going to move when it's interacted with by something that, you know, causes a you know the, the the pressures of wind something moving those those gas particles moving through leaves and branches it's going to make them move but does the tree have any idea of the decision of that movement you know what i mean i mean if the wind is going to always be going this way does that mean that like the leaves are always going to flow the way that they're going in that particular moment does that make sense like if we replicated that same situation in two parallel universes the exact same tree in the exact same wind, would it move the exact same way? Or would the tree, through those same characteristics that I was explaining before that make them look different physically, does it have characteristics that manipulate the way it moves? Does that mean that perhaps a tree is communicating with me somehow if it has any sort of movement or, you know, whatever you want, when I'm passing it, it's kind of like... And also, if I look at that tree, if I observe that tree right is it it sounds crazy when i say it out loud but it's like am i experiencing the tree you know and all of this is just you know laddie daddy up in the air fucking okay i get it dude you you're a tree hugger and you're a stoner and you're, you're super high at the moment and then i follow that up with well what if it does take being stoned to talk to the tree and if every time I get stoned, I have the same thoughts and the same feelings and I go outside and I interact with my plants in my mind, like spiritually, I'm putting faith and belief into the fact that when I talk, whether it's in my head or through my mouth to these plants, that they are listening to me and that they are responding in their own way, whether that be how they grow or how they move in the wind or how they accept the nutrients in the water that I'm giving them or whatever it might be. Maybe it's even a smell that they give me. I smell my mint leaves every day. I love it. I love it. That's communicating with me, right? And what if it is smoking weed that takes me there and lets me have that experience over and over and over? And I get it. From the outside point of view, it's like, oh, I think you're smoking too much weed. Well, from my point of view, you're not smoking enough. Dude, you're not communicating with plants. What the fuck are you doing? Right? Because if that experience is possible then why wouldn't you want it? What, because you want a new Ford Ranger? Because you wanted to work some extra hours at your job? Bro, what the fuck is going on that's so important that you don't want to communicate with organic matter? The shit that was around before us. The shit that will probably be around after us. In some way, is, is a more superior being than what we will ever be. Yet, we put it so far on the scale of things that we need to worry about because we can't communicate with it or we can't like literally we can't even watch it growing it happens so slow we can't even enjoy what's going on unless you make time for it to rock up every day to water it to feed it to do that and to actually pay attention to it doing better and growing 
Unless you're going to do all that. Well, trees aren't important. Plants aren't important. Hmm. Just makes me think that sometimes being alive is being high. It's like, I know for me, allegedly, if I were to smoke weed, if that were the case, that in that theoretical situation, I seem to somehow unlock excellence when I'm stoned. And yeah, yeah, I mean, let's put it on a scale. There's being high and there's being stoned. Being stoned is enjoying KFC and fucking laying on the bed and passing out with a Pepsi bottle still open under your arm. Being high, though, that's interesting. Being high allows me to just worry about one thing at once. Not the 20 jobs that I've got to do today, just the one thing. And do it really well and almost get obsessive over it. And make sure that when it's done, you check that it's done. And that you don't get caught up on like, yeah, okay, it's cool, Nick, on to the next thing. No, 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 dude, fuck everything. Just make sure this is good, okay? And then when you know it's good, you can move on. And this is everything. You lock the door, you go to the car, you come back, you're like, fuck, did I lock the door? I'm not 100% sure. Let me go back and check. You come back and you lock the door. Or maybe it's spending two hours writing up a quote for a complete new job that you've never taken on. You don't know how to price it. You don't know how to put it together, but you do. And then you put it together and instead of just sending it, you start from the start and you do the whole thing again. And then when you've done that, if you get the same answer twice, you then take that answer and reverse engineer it to make sure that every step you did was correct. Right? Allegedly, that's what being high allows me to do. And on a more spiritual sense, being high allows me to, in my mind, communicate with plants. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but I do know some people that get scared because they start thinking like that when they're high and they think that's unnatural. Um, do you want to know what's more unnatural? Reality TV. <laughs> do you want to know what's more unnatural? Processed foods. I can tell you a million things that's more unnatural than communicating with plants when you're high. It's like some people get scared of how anxious they get and how paranoid they get when they're high. Hey, Maybe that's being a human. Maybe that's dialing into what the fuck is going on around you and appropriating the real danger you might be in that you've butted up with creature comforts in your life that allow you to go day to day not fucking worrying. I mean, yeah, you might spend years being paranoid and anxious about shit when you smoke weed, but you get to a point of acceptance where you're like, okay, I now understand the options. I understand the things that could happen. And also, I understand that I get paranoid when I smoke. <laughs> and you know what I do? I smoke anyway. I enjoy that fake heart attack you get sometimes where you're like, oh my God, this is it. I think I'm going to die. And you just fucking hold on. You're like, oh, I wonder if I will. Will I go to heaven? Dude, that's what the fuck this is about. I'm living more smoking weed than you guys are drinking piss every weekend. And that's not you guys. I know you guys who listen to this, you're real motherfuckers. And you know that alcohol is poison, right? <laughs> Silly, man. I've had this fucking eye twitch. Ever since I had this run-in with this bloke and it kind of upset me and now I don't know if it's drinking too much caffeine or if I'm just stressed and it's my body telling me to fucking stress less if I possibly can, but who knows? I guess we'll find out in the long run. In a year's time, I'll be able to tell you if I still have the eye twitch, he got me and if I don't have it, I will have forgotten about it and I'll still be talking to trees, so don't worry. Anyway, what have we... Oh, dude, so much stuff I wanted to touch on today and... I spent it all talking about getting stoned and preparing and weather heaven and talking to trees, you know? But I tell you what, those best teas, so today is the 4th of April, 2022. Now the best tea, spelt B-E-S-T, is released today. 
It was actually released today. Now, if you're watching my post, today is the reel of me jumping out of my car with my skates on, with it, you know, driving along in first gear, and I do some cool tricks, and then Louis jumps on my seat, and then I skate back over to the car and jump back in. So I didn't even advertise the fact that this tee was released today. It's because it sold out in pre-sale. Now, I'm going to be jumping on my stories in just a minute after this and be explaining just that, but what a result. So those tees are not only pre-sold, they're all already made. They are going in the post tomorrow morning, which means that if you're, you know, if you pre-ordered one of those a couple of weeks ago, whenever the pre-sale started, you basically get the tees as they're released. So this is definitely a model that I'm looking to replicate in the future. And like, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm really refining this process of these 20 tees that I'm releasing every two or three weeks and making sure that the pre-sale works nicely, the sale works nicely, the production of the tees works well. And obviously that's, that black ink uh, standard of quality is met every single fucking time, you know? And starting from the ground up, making sure the tee's good, the transfer's good, the print's good, whatever it is, the positioning, the sizing, everything is on point. I'm trying to get better and better and better. So <clears throat> using this as an example, I'm very happy with how this is all tracking. I'm excited for the fifth tee that is gonna be released in about two and a half, three weeks. It's a super exciting design, not one that anyone has seen. Even if you're watching all of these stickers that I've been printing, it's none of those. So I'm hoping by tee number five or six, probably six, it's gonna be a seamless bloody production line that now I've kind of tried and tested everything. It still won't be though. That's the thing. I'll still be trying different things. How cool is that? How cool is that? There's no rules. Just fucking make it up as you go, apparently. So, oh, and also, no, I told you last episode, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. So the best tea is sold out. Unfortunately, they are all gone. Luke Barrow came out and gave me a hand printing those on Friday. And the one that was left, I actually said, right as we're about to finish, I said, do you want one of these? Because, you know, he was meant to come around for a hang. And if you're my friend, you know, if you're my personal friend, you know this, you'll come around for a hang and I'll just keep working and doing shit and talking to you. And I just, I can't help it. You know what I mean? I got to fucking be doing something all the time, you know? So he came around <clears throat> and he ended up doing the drying for me and putting him through the heat tunnel and, you know, just all the bits and pieces that kind of made the whole job easier. And I said at the end, look, do you want one of these teas? We'll print you one right now. And I gave him the one of 20, which realistically belonged to Seb because it is Seb's tea, you know, Seb backwards, Bess best tea anyway he already had one so what does he want the one of 24 so yeah got him printed luke got himself a free shirt the one of 20 which of course is going to be an absolute classic collectible in even a year's time so you know maybe take that as a sign to get one of the next ones but yeah also these new stickers that i've been doing you would have been seeing all of these motorcycle kind of harley themed stickers that i've been printing lately i'm super excited to announce that some of these are going to be on the 20 of 20 t's this year some of them are going to be used just as stickers and some of some of them aren't going to be used at all but for now if you uh i believe it was like a post i put on jake reckons which of course is the pod clip account on instagram for this very podcast uh on there i put up a, a post saying what do you think black ink is and basically if you commented on that something funny you got sent a free sticker pack and just so you know these best tees they all pretty much sold out with a story promotion that i ran where i said pretty much if you want to get one of the new tees at a, at a discounted rate just respond to this story and i'll reach out to you and so i reached out to them and they got the tee at a discounted rate now the people who responded to that 
post that I was talking about where I said, what do you think black ink, black ink is? Wrong answers only. I think seven people all commented. Those seven people got a sticker packer sent out. Now, because of the nature of the 2020 whole model, uh, these shirts are selling really quickly. I've already got a certain percentage of that 20 that are pretty much all are going to buy all of the t-shirts as they come out because they want their allocated numerical identification tag that's on the inside of all the tees. Some people want all of the 13s, some people want all of the 4s, all of the 1s, all of the 20s, and so on. So now I'm realizing I kind of have to open up these opportunities for people to get black ink just casually if they aren't on this collector list. And also, I mean, if you miss out on one of these C's, I still want you to be able to buy things. Now, my classics range is still available. Uh, all of the stuff that I released last year, all of the full color prints, they're all still available. But the shirts that are bit, all the new stuff that's being released this year, obviously like 80% of it's going to be unattainable. So I'm filling in the last 20% with these cool little bits and pieces. And for now, it's just things like stickers and basically stickers. But I've definitely got my sights set on some very interesting new products in the future. They're going to be more in the line of accessories and more around the whole scene of riding, whether it be push bikes or motorbikes. And these are going to be attainable through interaction on Instagram. Now I know creating a website and putting your products up there and sending people to your website and hoping that they fucking wanna buy one of your products based on what they see on the website or what they see on social media is the way to, that everyone does things. But you know what? Fuck everyone. I'm doing this because this has wild, wild success. So if you want your best chances at securing some exclusive blacking accessories or some of the new bits and pieces that are coming out through the year, the best way to do it is just stay on those stories on Instagram. Make sure you're always on my socials. Make sure you're always checking out what I'm doing. Turn on that little notification in the top right-hand corner of your Instagram page on my profile, which has a little bell icon you can turn on when there's new stories, new reels, new posts, or when I go live. Turn the whole fucking lot on for me. And that way, you'll be first in line. If these offers are up, you'll be first in line to get one of these offers. And usually, if you're getting it through a story, you're getting it pretty heavily discounted as well. So I'm really rewarding the people that shop through my stories. So there's a little bit of insight on what is happening with Black Ink right now and coming into the immediate future. Don't forget, save the date, April the 17th of this month, which is April for our Easter Sunday sesh at Lost Bill starting at 5 p.m. And also... Be good to your mum, because I'm fucking out. Yo!